Ball's out. Picked up by the Vikings. Joseph. Can he win this long foot race? Linval Joseph. No flags. Touchdown, Minnesota. Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man, Flip Mozzie. Thank you for spending some time with me today. For those of you who don't know me, let me introduce myself. I am the solo podcast on the CTP network, at Flip Mozzie on Twitter, currently a resident of Los Angeles by way of Dallas, by way of the great Minnesotan cities of Woodbury and Bloomington. I grew up in Minnesota, became a transplant Vikings fan quickly, and have been on Vikings vlogs here and there since the beginning of the internet. PurplePride.org, The Daily Norseman, and most recently, Climbing the Pocket. I posted for several years on The Daily Norseman under a few different names and put up a bunch of fan posts, and before transitioning to Twitter, it was my go-to source for Vikings news and talk, so it's a an honor to be part of the Daily Norseman family again. As I tell everyone, I'm a fan first, more than an analyst or a capologist or a draft expert. I'm a Vikings fan, and so I'm here to celebrate our experience as Vikings fans. So to do that and to let you get to know me a little better, we're going to talk about the games. To me, how we watch the games, if it's on TV or live, in the bar, in an airport, and it's an essential part of the fan experience. For those special games, we always remember where we watched them. I remember the bar I ran out of after the Minnesota Miracle. I remember watching the 98 Conference Championship at Disney World. I remember which airport terminal I was in when Brett Favre threw that game-winning gem to Greg Lewis. And I know you remember too, but the best game experiences are the ones we see in person in the stands. Even though I'm not a local, unfortunately not a season ticket holder, I've made it a point to attend as many games as possible, both at home and on the road. So here are the games that I've been to, the highlights and the lowlights from the Vikings games I've seen in person. It all started for me in 2004, which was pretty late for me as a longtime fan. But being out of state, my family wasn't able to attend many games. That changed when we moved back to Minnesota in 2004, and my mother bought me a single VIP ticket to Packers at Vikings on December 24th, Christmas Eve. She sent just me, it was all she could afford. She went all out, completely spoiled me. My sister dropped me off in front of the Metrodome on that Minnesota cold day. The game was a late afternoon start and I walked straight into the stadium. Not because I was late, but because this ticket included a pre-game buffet with Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. Now I was in college at the time, if you don't know what that means, Let me just say that cheerleaders are a big deal to a boy who's in college, okay? Free food, another big deal to a boy who's in college. It was an absolute treat being in that suite, grubbing on that food. They got the chicken tenders, 
potato skins, nachos? Did they have veggies? If they did, I cannot remember. And talking and taking pictures with those ladies. Purple Santa hats everywhere. The occasion called for my best dress. The purple 84 Randy Moss jersey draped over my shoulders. That might be the best pregame I'll ever be a part of. If you think you can throw a better tailgate, shoot me a message and we'll find out the hard way. Eventually, it was time for the real game. My seats had an unobstructed view in the western end zone between the goalposts, and this was a game. A divisional showdown between two eight-win teams, hated rivals with two games to go in the regular season, and the NFC North Championship up for grabs. Moss opened the scoring on a 12-yard pass from Dante Culpepper, but that was pretty much it for Randy. He took a backseat to Nate Burleson and Michael Bennett. Burleson went over 100 yards, including a 68-yard touchdown. Bennett had over 150 all-purpose yards and a touchdown, too. Green Bay made sure this wasn't a one-sided affair. Far around the Packers struck back again and again and again. This game had four ties. The Vikings offense ran out of gas. That's when the purple special teams showed up. Downing the ball at the one-yard line, that's when the Favre interception we were waiting for happened. Chris Claiborne snagged the air and throw, charged back into the end zone to give the Vikings a 7-point fourth quarter lead. The biggest play of the game, absolute insanity given which teams were playing and what was on the line. The Metrodome turned all the way up and it was one of the best live moments of my fanhood. Then the dome turned back down. Brett Favre, man. Led the pack back down for a touchdown drive capped by Donald Driver. Brian Williams could not cover that guy. Next drive, Favre got Green Bay back into chip shot field goal range. It was easy for Ryan Longwell. Longwell kicked the field goal into my face. If you ever watch a replay, you can see my head in my hands. Minnesota's offense scored three second half points and the Vikings lost 31-34. to All I remember after that is that I didn't handle it well. The Metrodome pushed my back into the cold winter night. My sister picked me up, and I was not happy on Christmas Eve. One of my biggest regrets, how immature I was in handling that loss. Family went out of my way to treat me, but I ended up being affected by the result, not the experience. Less than two years later, my mother unexpectedly passed away in Minnesota. And when a parent dies, you grow up a lot. You find the things you did right and the things you did wrong. And it's all part of deciding how you're going to live with that person's memory. My end result from all of it and this game, there was nothing to complain about. I ate a free meal. I met the Vikings cheerleaders. I watched an amazing game with everything on the line. I enjoyed the rest of Christmas Eve with my full family. Only once more did that happen. The loss changes none of that. None of these losses do. And besides, our Vikings strutted into Lambeau two weeks later and blasted Green Bay 31-17. In the infamous Let Your Hair Down, Randy Moss moons the crowd playoff game. Skull, baby. The second game I want to cover had a lot of options. Thought about the 2008 game in Nashville, but that was a pretty forgettable one. Thought about 2017 in Atlanta, the year where our bikes went 13-3. and 
but to be honest, that was a pretty boring game too. There is a game that shouldn't be forgotten, and it happened just last year. Here in Los Angeles, week 4 of the 2018 season, Vikings at Rams. This game happened just two months after I moved to Los Angeles, Minnesota coming off a stellar 2017, the Minnesota Miracle, the blowout in Philadelphia, Kirk Cousins' contract, and the pathetic loss at home to Buffalo. LA, after losing to our Vikes in 2017 and the Falcons in the playoffs, had started 2018 with three straight wins. That sets the stage. On Thursday night, the lights turned on over the Coliseum, Vikings fans showed up in droves, and so did both teams. The game should be remembered for a bunch of different elements. Coming out party of sorts for the Rams, that's how most remember it, but you can blame the LA-based NFL media for that. This was a back-and-forth shootout with plenty of excitement on both sides of the ball. Vikings fans saw Kirk Cousins pass at the highest level. They saw their new kicker Dan Bailey look the part. They saw Laquan Treadwell gain some form and Aldrick Robinson become a real threat. We also saw Anthony Barr get burned thrice and the offensive line fall apart late. For me, September 27th started just like a normal day. Woke up, went to work, but then I left after lunch and headed to the tailgate with a few other Vikings faithfuls. No one really had any idea what to expect after the loss to the Bills. But no matter who you talked to, one thing was clear. There was Minnesota purple everywhere, especially on the field. Our Vikes started the game with a 13-play, 7-minute touchdown drive, followed by a 12-play, 56-yard field goal march, followed by a 3-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. It was the second most points they scored all season, and only the elite Rams offense could keep pace. Combined, the first four drives produced 24 points, and the Rams found their gear in the second quarter. This was the best game of Jared Goff's young career, 14 yards per attempt, 5 touchdowns, no interceptions. This was a game that makes all Vikings fans drool over Cooper Cup as a third receiver. Nine catches, 162 yards, two touchdowns. But make no mistake, Kirk, Thielen, and Diggs were all great too. Much has been said about the NFL in Los Angeles, its lackluster fan base, the new stadium, etc. To be honest, I'm no fan of the people in LA or how they interact with their sports teams, but never forget... This city can put on a great show, and it creates an environment you don't see many other places. The crowd being split 50-50 is part of that, which leads me to Vikings fans. I was so proud of just the pure volume of fans who showed up on Thursday night, and how we cheered, and the noise during those big plays. The Thielen 45-yard strike to make it a one-score game caused pandemonium and panic in the crowd all at the same time. And it hasn't just been LA. I was there for the skull chant in Atlanta. I heard the crowd go nuts during that Diggs bomb in Green Bay. This fan base is growing. The Keenum-led skull chant in Green Bay the year before. This fan base is traveling more, and no one wants to talk about it. But it's happening. We're long past the Red McCombs days. We're past the Love Boat and the Adrian Peterson scandals. And that new stadium, the new training facility, fans are buying in. 
Again, the Vikings lost 38-31. It wasn't the result we demand from our team. But I promise you, every Viking fan there who left that game knows they had just been a part of something special. Now I know what y'all are thinking. Is Flip a bad luck charm? Does he only attend Vikings losses? How dare you? I'm happy to tell you I don't. And that's a good thing for all of us because if they lost every time I saw them, I would still go to these games. So lucky for you, I attend wins too. In fact, I went out of my way to fly up to Minnesota and attend the first regular season game at U.S. Bank Stadium, a.k.a. the crown jewel of the NFL. Located downtown, five massive glass doors, the largest transparent roof in the nation, the ring of honor, view of the city, the Yallahorn, the crowd noise. It's an NFL fan's dream come true. To be honest with y'all, it's the only NFL game where I've ever just skipped the tailgate to just sit in my seat. We got to the stadium an hour early and just sat there, took it all in, while the players warmed up and the sun went down. The story of this game can't be told without the proper history. For Vikings fans, the Metrodome tested us severely. Before and after the roof collapsed, Metrodome forced our previous owner to threaten to move the team to San Antonio. The roof collapse itself was an embarrassing public moment accompanied with criticism on the condition of our stadium, the temperature of our winners. The need for a new complex was so great that it turned every Vikings fan into a real estate expert and a tax consultant. We weren't just arguing about Percy Harvin, we had to have opinions on where the stadium should have been built and who should pay for it. And then owner Ziggy Wilf and his family delivered everything. A shiny new stadium in the exact same location. So when it was time to play across the river at TCF Bank Stadium, there were no complaints. Sports stadiums always have delays. Look at the Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas. They're having to stay in Oakland. The Rams Stadium, Los Angeles, also delayed. Viking Stadium came in on time. And as the stadium opening drew near, they got a legitimate head coach in Mike Zimmer. They gave general manager Rick Spielman the full green light to build a contender. They developed an elite defense and nabbed a franchise quarterback won the NFC North in 2015, made the playoffs, got robbed of a playoff win, damn you Blair Walsh. But regardless, that plan was in place. NFC North champions Mike Zimmer, Teddy Bridgewater to open the new stadium in 2016 against the Packers. You're damn right I bought that ticket. And then Teddy's knee exploded. We don't have to get into the full Teddy conversation here. What matters is how clear it is that he was part of the franchise's master plan. It extended beyond on-field performance. It ties in to the new stadium, to fan and community outreach. Amongst other things, I looked at my tickets again after Teddy's injury. Did I really want to fly all the way up to Minneapolis just to see the party ruined? Sean Hill against Aaron Rodgers? 
So I'll always be happy they made the Sam Bradford trade. Even though some hated it, I'll always be grateful that Sam was able to get ready for that game so quickly. He learned the offense in two weeks. That's the context needed to understand how I felt sitting in my seat before the game started. As Bud Grant blew the big horn, knowing there would be a Prince tribute at halftime, I thought, this is all amazing. Now let's win the damn game too. And win it they did. The crowd noise. Oh my goodness, the crowd noise. You see us Vikings fans at that game, we wanted to try out this new toy. The new stadium, see how loud it could get, if it could compete with the Metrodome on noise. And us Vikings fans, we knew our team was a defensive team going up against one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We knew they were going to need our help. So when the Vikings had to punt on their first position and Aaron Rodgers trotted onto the field, we turned it all the way up. The loudest place I've ever been in. The first play of that drive was a wide receiver screen left to Devontae Adams. He caught the ball, cut back right around Captain Munnerlyn, and boom, Eric Kendricks was right there. EK punched the ball out, and by the second bounce, everyone saw it, and everyone went nuts. Andrew Sandeo scooped to return, but instantly got tackled and fumbled himself. Green Bay recovered. It wasn't to be, and... I was almost happy because if Deho had returned that ball for a touchdown, I wouldn't have ears anymore. Then came the slog. Gussy performance by Sam Bradford behind a paltry offensive line. The offense couldn't get going and the Packers blocked a punt. Scored a touchdown right after that. Finally, in the second quarter, Vikings tied it. Nine straight passes until Bradford found Kyle Rudolph in the corner of the end zone. Game on. The defense battled. Stephon Diggs took over the game. Nine catches, 182 yards, and a splendid 25-yard post to score, putting our Vikings up by 10. Green Bay made it interesting, but soon after, our purple defense closed it out. Defensive line combined for five sacks, including Brian Robinson's speed rush to bat the ball out of Aaron's hands, and Trey Wayne's a savvy interception to call game. Everyone on the field, the sidelines, the stadium, the city of Minneapolis was jumping up and getting down that Sunday night. Vikings 17, Packers 14. I'm not the only one who has these memories. If you're a Vikings fan, you have them too. We all do. That's one of the many great things about sports. The shared experiences. And I want to hear about yours as well. Where were you when U.S. Bank Stadium opened? What's the worst loss you've seen live? How about the most exciting game? These experiences keep us strong as our team builds towards their Super Bowl. We're not bashful. We know the best time to be a Vikings fan is right now. That's the attitude we're going to use as we look back towards 2018 and prepare for 2019. For the next podcast, we'll cover the top 10 touchdowns of the season that was, some key plays and players, and then after that, we'll get ready for this season in 2019. I can't wait. So excited to be part of the Daily Norseman, and thanks for listening, guys. 
Skull Vikes. 